It's a good day today because we are going to talk about joy this morning. I'm excited to talk about joy. We're feeling some of the joy this morning already, which is great. This is our third Advent theme as we spend this season of Advent anticipating and getting ready to celebrate the arrival of Jesus at Christmas time. Uh, I love Advent because I love that time of looking forward to something really, really good. I think so often it's so good to be in that season of looking forward to the great thing coming. And we get to celebrate that this year. Next week, we're going to have the man, the myth, the legend, Timothy Ness, coming to preach on love, which is going to be so good. Looking forward to that. Speaking of things to look forward to. But today, we're going to think on joy a little bit, which is going to be good. But a confession today as I get started. I wish joy was more like a toaster. Because a toaster is a physical thing. I have a toaster in my home. It toasts things. If it stops toasting things, I can have it fixed, or I can go out and buy a new toaster. I know the toaster. I understand the toaster. If I forget what a toaster looks like or feels like or whether it's working, I can go to my cupboard, open it, and look at the toaster and remind myself what a toaster is like. It's a concrete thing. Joy is much more abstract. It can be harder to put a finger on, and yet in our lives, it is so much more important, so much more desperately wanted and needed than a toaster will ever be. And I want to be able to pick joy up. I want to be able to hold on to it. And at this time of year, more than ever, maybe I want to take hold of joy because we are getting ready to celebrate the fact that Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us us, which somehow changes everything, and it makes the impossible possible, and it means that joy is possible. And so I want to have joy, even when my life is complicated, or it's up and down, or it's unpredictable. And I think a word for us today is that joy is just like that little bit of writing uh, in your car mirror where it says that things are closer than they may appear. I think joy may be closer than it appears for some of us today. But what is joy? When I try to think of what joy is and I try to pin it down and understand it, I think of things that I enjoy. Uh, I enjoy lots of things. I enjoy this time of year. I enjoy Christmas lights. I enjoy the Christmas events. I enjoy Christmas markets. I enjoy the festive aisle of a supermarket. I enjoy going for brunch with my friends. I doubly enjoy how often people in this church ask me for brunch recommendations, maybe more than anything else I am ever asked, and I'm okay with that. Kelly and I have a Christmas tradition which brings me joy, and that is that during the busiest Christmas weeks here at Rehope, we like to, uh, not many times, I should add, but maybe once, we like to order eggnog lattes via Uber Eats. And that is a, a double joy to us because we love eggnog lattes from Starbucks, and we love when they arrive at the door, as if by magic. That brings us joy. And apparently, not much has changed for me in 10 years because I saw this as a Facebook memory the other day. Ten years ago. <laughs> Guys, apparently happiness is only a Starbucks away, not sponsored, although we should be in this moment. But is there a difference between joy, as we know it, and biblical joy? Now, obviously, eggnog lattes are a very earthly joy. They are fleeting. They don't last you very long. They also sometimes run out of the eggnog in Starbucks. They're a fleeting joy. They're an imperfect joy. They're a little bit hard on your stomach, honestly, because very thick, very rich, but delicious. I would recommend getting half milk, half eggnog, just as a, a little life hack. But anyway, they're imperfect, and yet 
I do think that God has designed things on earth to bring us joy in a way that echoes and points imperfectly to perfect joy that he is able to give us as the maker of all things. So is there a difference between eggnog latte joy and Bible joy, biblical joy? I would like to suggest today maybe not as much of a difference as we sometimes think because I think we have come to understand or we've been taught to understand sometimes biblical joy as very, very different to earthly joy because we know, we read in the Bible that we have joy because of Jesus, but uh, we need an answer for why it's so deep, 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 deep down in our hearts. So then we think, okay, it must be something very different to the sort of joy that I experience in anything else. Or we need to remind ourselves that joy isn't happiness because we don't feel very happy but we know we have joy, so then we have to think, okay, joy must be a sort of contentedness that I can't quite put my finger on, or I don't really know what it feels like, but it has to be very different. But what if it is less complicated than that? What if it's less otherworldly than we've maybe made it? What if joy and happiness are friends? What if they overlap? What if they're actually related to each other, but joy is not just happiness, but actually better than happiness, stronger than happiness. And what if joy is a feeling, not in a superficial way, but like a thing that you're going to feel. It's a felt thing. The Bible tells us that God feels joy, that the angels feel joy, and it tells us that God has made us in his image. So then that would make me think that he must have made us to feel joy, like he can feel joy. And it's real. Jesus, in the book of Hebrews, it said that Jesus was anointed with the oil of joy, and he told his friends in the book of John that if they keep his commands and remain in his love, he will give them his joy. So it's not a concept, and it's not to be so deeply buried in us that it's become this kind of dusty idea. It's real. We're meant to feel it. We're meant to experience it. There's a reason why we talk in the English language of jumping for joy, crying tears of joy. It's a real thing. It's a strong thing. And thinking about biblical joy today, I want to just briefly focus less on any sort of difference in substance primarily and more on where we get it, like the good stuff, as we have access to it. And I want to just quickly read one of my favorite Psalms as we think about this. It's Psalm 16. In my version of the Bible, it's titled Confidence in the Lord. And I wonder if any of it will resonate with you just as I read through it. So it goes like this. David writes, protect me, God, for I take refuge in you. I said to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have nothing good besides you. As for the holy people here in the lands, they are the noble ones. All my delight is in them. The sorrows of those who take another God for themselves will multiply. I will not pour out their drink offerings of blood, and I will not speak their names with my lips. Lord, you are my portion and my cup of blessing. You hold my future. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I will bless the Lord who counsels me, even at night when my thoughts trouble me. I always let the Lord guide me. Because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My body also rests securely, for you will not abandon me to Sheol. You will not allow your faithful one to see decay. You reveal the path of life to me. In your presence is abundant joy. At your right hand are eternal pleasures. 
I love how David says to God, in your presence is abundant joy, even before Jesus. That is where joy is, in relationship to God, in his presence, in closeness to the God of the Bible, who throughout all of history, without exception, has been trying to get close to his people wants to be close to us. The Colossians reading we heard just a moment earlier spoke of how through Jesus, God has forever reconciled all things to himself, meaning that where once our relationship with God was broken, it has now been restored through Jesus, which means that we can be close to him because part of that is that where once we couldn't easily enter into his presence because of all the stuff that was between us, now we can freely and fully and with confidence enter in. And in fact, if we've given our lives to Jesus, God's presence comes and lives in us through the Holy Spirit. This incredibly crazy mystery thing where once there is one temple in history where God's presence was, now the Bible says we are many, many temples carrying his presence, which means if we've given our lives to Jesus, we have been given permanent access Two, abundant joy in his presence. And abundant, I tell myself today, abundant means more than enough. So I want to do a heart check on my joy levels and think for a second, okay, does joy always feel scarce to me? Or do I feel like in my life generally there's enough, there's more than enough joy to be found? Has your joy maybe been stifled as you kind of assess your own heart today? Has it been buried under something? Jesus taught that the enemy, the devil, comes to steal and kill and destroy, and he will want to steal your joy or even just convince you with lies that your joy has been stolen. And when I picture this, I imagine like joy is a sort of physical thing and it's almost like a blanket is thrown over it in my life where it's joy is there, I have it, I have access to it, but it's like fear, a blanket of fear has been thrown over it or a blanket of busyness has been thrown over it or a blanket of a recent rejection has been thrown over it or just whatever comes in its way and covers it for a moment and what I need to do is let Jesus pull that blanket off to reveal the joy that is there to get back to it again. Maybe you have been hurt Maybe you've believed a lie about yourself or about your future. Maybe for whatever reason today, joy feels far away from you. And sometimes in those moments in life, we might say things like, choose joy. And sometimes that's okay. Sometimes we do just need to choose joy uh, in moments in life. Sometimes that is just a good thing. But I think also sometimes we need to choose to hope for more joy. We need to choose to deal with whatever that blanket is. We need to choose to acknowledge, okay, something's happened here and Jesus can fix this in a way that I can't fix it. Now, of course, your joy levels could be critically low right now because of grief or because of even an overwhelming sadness. And I am so sorry if that is where you're at this Christmas. Reading through the Psalms, we see a fuller story. We see a full picture. David knew abundant joy in God's presence and he wrote about it and he knew intense grief and he writes of both in the Psalms. In Psalm 6, he says, my soul is in deep anguish. How long, Lord, how long? Maybe that's the moment that you're in. I don't think David, if we could find him in that moment when he wrote those words, would have said, oh, I also feel joy. I also feel joy in my heart. I think he felt anguish, deep anguish. But both things were still true of his life. He knew abundant joy. He also experienced deep 
anguish. Our world is full of pain where people have to walk through things that Jesus has died to end forever someday, but for now they still happen. And the Bible teaches that there are seasons for everything. So there are going to be times in life when the right and appropriate and maybe the only response is going to be to grieve what has been lost. And that's okay. In Psalm 30, David writes, weeping may stay overnight, but there is joy in the morning. Even in the darkest seasons of our lives, we can hold on to hope that we will feel joy again, that joy will come again. And maybe even more importantly for us as a church, as a family together, we have to help other people hold on to hope that they will feel joy again, that joy is your inheritance, that joy is coming. And maybe not today, and maybe not even tomorrow, but you will feel joy again so what joy can we have in God's presence? The Bible describes joy as, for us, ultimately tied up in the resurrection and return of Jesus. Jesus says, uh, before, to, before he died to his friends, he said, now is your time of grief, but I'll see you again, and you'll rejoice, and no one will take away your joy. Jesus is alive, and that means ultimately our joy cannot be stolen from us. That is unstealable joy. The Bible also says joy is a defining feature of the kingdom of God. In Romans, it says, the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. If it helps to think of certain earthly rulers or uh, people in authority and then what their times in office become defined by, then consider that God's rule is marked by righteousness, peace, and joy. The Bible also speaks of joy as a defining feature of God's temple, and we are now those temples. In First Chronicles, it says, splendor and majesty are before him, strength and joy are in his dwelling place. The Bible describes joy as strength bringing. Um, in the prophet Nehemiah, in the book of Nehemiah, says to God's people, the joy of the Lord is your strength. When he commanded them to go and celebrate after they'd heard and understood the word of God spoken to them, the Bible helps us understand joy as something that is rooted in hope. They are so closely related to each other. In Proverbs, we read the hope of the righteous brings joy. If your hope is high, chances are that your joy is going to be high too. If your joy is really low, you might want to check, okay, am I feeling hopeless right now? What is my hope in? Because they're connected. According to the book of Galatians, joy is a fruit of the Spirit, which means it grows out of God's Spirit in us. We don't need to find some sort of heavenly Tesco's and scar the aisles for the last little remaining drop of joy. It's not a case that there's just only so much joy to spread between us. Joy is in you and will grow in you because of the Holy Spirit in you. So to keep us on track, joy is possible. Joy is closer than it appears. And joy is found in God's presence we see in Psalm 16 and all throughout the Psalms that God's presence is David's refuge. It is his safe space in times of trouble. Uh, it starts the Psalm with a prayer. He says, keep me safe, my God, for in you I take refuge. And in Psalm 5, we see that joy is found if we do this. If we take refuge in God, we find joy. It says, let all who take refuge in you rejoice. Let them sing for joy and spread your protection over them that those who love your name may exult in you. It is worth noting that biblical joy, which, as we've covered, is joy that we can feel, is possible in seasons even that aren't purely enjoyable seasons. It is possible to have joy come as we worship God and acknowledge God even as the arrows fly over our heads if we take refuge in him purposeful set aside time in God's presence is a way that we can do this, is a way that we can step aside out of whatever battles or struggles we are facing to have joy in his presence. 
I know that for me, my times with Jesus in my morning times directly correlate to my joy levels in my life. They feel a little bit like coming up for air for a moment. And it's not that Jesus isn't always with me, because he is, but it's like those times in my morning set me up to carry his presence and be aware of his presence as I go into everything I'm going to face during that day. They're like a little tent I sort of put up and hide in for an hour with him. And they directly correlate to my joy levels. The more I do it, the closer joy feels to the surface. The more I forget to do it or I neglect doing it, the more deep, deep, deep down in my heart to the joy goes. As we think about heading into 2022 and we're in that mindset of like, what are my rhythms? What are my priorities? What is important to me? It's a good time to think, okay, how can we be people who build these little joy-giving tents? What's my little joy-giving tent going to be? Is it going to be my quiet time in the morning? Is it going to be my prayer walks, my time listening to worship music, my contemplative prayer at night, a mixture of all of these things, whatever it is, it is helpful to make a plan, not for the sake of having a plan, but because we leak joy slowly. And typically the people who suffer are the people who are closest to us and they will notice that we have leaked slowly. So make a plan. And maybe it feels counterintuitive even to suggest that you need to do anything to receive joy after I've said that it's a fruit of the Spirit. You're like, it should just grow naturally in me, right? I shouldn't have to work to receive joy. I don't think so. But how I view this as I make plans and rhythms in my life to receive joy from the Lord, it is me making space in the otherwise chaotic rhythm of my life to stop and to receive the gift of joy freely from the Lord that I don't need to earn and I don't need to fight for, but I do need to stop and receive with open hands. Or otherwise, more naturally, maybe I will just keep chasing it in other things. And I have to be tapped into the joy that Jesus gives because in Psalm 16, there's also a warning here. David writes, the sorrows of those who take another God for themselves will multiply. We want to be happy people want to be happy. Apparently, if you ask people on the street, what do you want most in the world? More often than not, you won't hear money or that relationship or whatever to win the lottery. You'll hear that they want to be happy. We want to be happy. And so we're, we're all running after things that we think will bring us joy, ultimately. But David says, Lord, you are my portion and my cup of blessing. You hold my future. Meaning, God, you alone are the source of my happiness there is a danger that we will run sideways to get joy because we want it so much. But David writes of when we go to other gods, if we go to other gods, anything else is our source, then these people, their sorrows are multiplying. They're not going away. They're actually multiplying. So if you feel like you're, the things that are hard, the things that are a struggle are multiplying in your life or you feel lost in them, something isn't satisfying you maybe the way that you thought it would. It's a time to maybe check your heart and to go to Jesus and allow him to hold your future again and say, okay, God, I will let you be my portion. You can be my only source. Put your hope in Jesus again. I want to finish today just with a final encouragement that joy is now. Now, I generally avoid saying that word on the stage because of what my accent does to it, but... It is important today that we don't make this a later thing. Joy is now. Joy is for now. Joy is for today. Joy is not for later. Yes, someday. Joy is coming in all fullness. And someday your joy will be complete and fully full and perfect. And every tear will be dried from your eye. And that is going to be so good. But joy is now because joy is found in God's presence. And at Christmas, we remember that God is present 
God is present in you here in our city. God's presence is here. Jesus is Emmanuel. So God, so God is with us and joy is for now. The word rejoice means to feel and show great joy and delight. In 1 Thessalonians, it says, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Joy is God's will for your life. It's available now. It's not on the shelf until your prayer is answered. It's not just for a certain personality type. Joy is now. And joy will be your testimony to the world of the goodness of Jesus. Now, if you don't know Jesus and you're not even sure what you think about Jesus, but maybe you've been invited along today, can I just encourage you just to keep coming, just to keep coming here because we really do believe that God is here and we pray every Sunday and ask God's presence to come and be in this place. And I believe that if you just keep coming back, you will experience joy here because God is here. And our hope would be that then you get to know him. But just keep coming if you're up for that. Just come back because God is here and we would love you to meet with him here and to have joy in this place. A simple challenge for us today is to go after abundant joy in God's presence. If you need to pray, God, fill me with joy. I'm going to do a little bit of just a simple ministry time here as we uh, head into our final time of, of response and worship. But take, take your challenge. And if you need to celebrate this year, celebrate. If you need to tell other people about Jesus with joy this year, do that. If you need to come alongside some people this year who are suffering, um, do that and hold on to joy for them, come alongside them and hold space for their grief as well. But take your challenge, go after abundant joy, hope for joy in your future. And uh, I'm just gonna pray for us right now as we start to move into the next section. So let's close our eyes. And firstly, I just wanna pray for anyone who is in an intense grief season. If you're in a moment of your life and joy just feels so far off, um, I just wanna pray for you right now. We'll pray together. Lord Jesus, we acknowledge that there are times in life that are just incredibly hard. Uh, Lord, where things that are so unfair happen, where um, we have to go through intense grief, Lord, where we have to experience intense sadness. So God, for anyone in this room or watching online, Lord, who is in one of those moments in their life right now, Jesus, we just ask that you would have mercy on them that you would show them your love, that you would come so close around them and that you would hold them, Lord, carry them into their next joy-filled season, Lord, when that comes. But would you help them? Would you give them support? Would you heal their heart? God, be so close to people who are suffering this Christmas in grief. And Lord, as we all just check our hearts right now, for the rest of us, just, Holy Spirit, would you highlight right now if there is something in particular for us that is stifling our joy, either a little or a lot? For me last night, in the middle of the night, it was fear of the future, just fear, 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 fear. So if you're experiencing that today, maybe just picture that in front of you, that thing, whatever that thing is that gets in the way of your joy. Maybe it's the voice of someone in your life. Maybe it is an inner voice, maybe it's a lie that you believe, maybe it's something you think about yourself, maybe it's fear as well. Picture that right now. Now obviously in your own time, you can pray simply and move these things out of the way. In Jesus' name, you can pray. Uh, this morning I was just praying, fear, be quiet, in Jesus' name. Fear, be quiet, move out of the way, joy, come, 
you can do that. But for now, just as you picture whatever that is in front of you, I speak to all these things. And in your name, Jesus, I say, get out of the way. Get out of the way of our joy. Move aside. Be quiet. You don't get to steal joy from God's people. Jesus, restore our hope and pour out your joy today. We look to you. We receive it from you. Thank you for your joy. In Jesus' name, amen.